Is that the thumbs up, John? Are we live? There we go. Way we're live. How professional. Hello and welcome to the podcast Lotus Eaters for today, Friday, the 7th of July, 2023. I am joined by two guests, Callum Smiles and Philip Tanza. Uh, introduce yourself to the audience, gents. Uh, so I'm Callum Smiles, now a freelance journalist. I was the Rebel News UK reporter and... I uh, love to go undercover. I just love fancy dress, really. At the yeah, end of the day. The general troublemaker. I love fancy dress and not being lied to. So, what better than undercover journalism? Yeah, fantastic. Philip? Hi. My name is uh, Philip Tanser. I'm a former world-famous gay porn star who is now a conservative, um, married father and men's rights activist and founder of the organization Gender Parity UK. Yeah, it's quite a, a road to Damascus from, from Philip there. Callum's just... Always been deranged. Anyway, so today's segment... Oh, I didn't get paid for it. <laughs> today's segments, we're going to be talking about how Miriam Cates is going to war with the Conservative Party. Go on, lass. We're going to go inside the Calais migrant camps with Callum's exclusive on-the-ground reporting and how Caitlin Moran, pronounced moron, should just leave men alone because that's the favour you're going to do them. Anyway, jump into today's segments, I suppose. Well... Uh, Miriam Cates has decided that the Tory wets are underserving the country and it's gotten to the point now where there needs to be an internal coup within the Conservative Party so some of the backbenchers, the actual Conservatives, can get something done for once. And I was delighted to have been invited on Monday to the launch of a group called the New Conservatives, spearheaded by Miriam, Danny Kruger, a few other MPs. And they were mainly talking about migration, but we're going to look today at some of the other policies that are being pushed as wedge issues by Cates and see the relative level of success she's actually having because the Conservatives are terrified of a loss. And frankly, I think the loss is going to be inevitable at this point because they've ruined their reputation over the last decade. But when, like a cancer, they go into remission, perhaps they might adopt some more conservative policies as the opposition. I, I don't suppose you'll be voting Tory at the next election, will you, mate? Do you know what, right? I've, I think I've decided just to stop voting. Mm. I, I'm that disillusioned. I would vote for an independent, mm. but, you know, having spent a week with the elites in Davos. You know, I remember seeing a Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock, yep. who said, you know, you're sat here on the board and you're making decisions that are passed down to nation states, yet not only have I never voted for you, I've never seen your name on a ballot paper, mm. and yet all roads lead to Davos. Yeah, mm. well, there's too many uh, vested financial interests in there. There's also, I remember Keir Starmer went over to Davos and said he prefers it to Westminster. So, great, our incumbent Prime Minister is just a globalist stooge. See, uh, see Harry's segment on that, eh? Um, anyway, so, on to who Miriam Cates is. For those who aren't really familiar, there's a brilliant Guardian piece here. And I say brilliant because the Guardian are really upset about everything we actually like her for. And the thing I quite like about her is, compared to all of the other female politicians that we have, maybe all is a, is a bit unfair, but the overwhelming majority of female politicians have been captured by the mind parasite of feminism. And because feminism, all it does is talk about equitable power dynamics and the like, it attracts the most capricious, smothering mother types. I'm thinking Jess Phillips, Stella Creasy, and the lot. Whereas Miriam Cates actually has the energy of someone who is going, you've screwed up the country, and therefore, you are making me do this. I'd rather be at home with my kids, thank <laughs> you very much. But uh, just because you guys can't quite do it right, you know, I, I may as well jump in. So... She's got, uh, I'm just going to move this because there is a note thing in the way. Um, she is a former biology teacher and she's been quoted as saying she's a mum first, a northerner second. Well, we all have our thoughts, don't we? And a politician third. Don't glare at me like that. You're lucky I even let you on the show. Um, Kate's met her husband at church, so that's quite wholesome, in Sheffield. And she sits on the ecclesiastical committee, which yells at the Church of England for mm -hmm. being 
too castrated. Um, I understand as a, as a Protestant, you're probably very upset with the direction of the church. Oh, I, I left the Church of Scotland a year ago, and now my wife and I, we're driving two and a half hours every Sunday to go to the free north in Inverness. Right, okay. And it's absolutely brilliant. Oh, there's and no pride flags there, I assume. No pride flags, and uh, the the reason why they won me over, they have a YouTube channel, and the first service I watched from them, the minister asked, are you willing to go to prison for what you believe in? And I was mm. like, I like that sound. And he said, I'm already in Scotland. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, Kate's likewise has said, faith was a part of everything I lived and breathed. Um, she wants to ban at-home abortion bills and gender self-ID, so things we'd rather like. And then there was a minister in here that was quoted, and he said, Miriam is one of the very few people who's willing to go over the top. What she's saying is what many of us believe. Mm. Now, great. Glad Miriam Kate is doing that. If you all did that, we wouldn't be in this position. Exactly. Why what, don't you speak up? What, why are we relying on the one brand new woman to parliament to have balls? Like, wh where are yours, <laughs> lads? I mean... That's just called a modern woman, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what is a woman, Callum? <laughs> Somebody well, has balls. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be said that a lot of these things are actually much easier for a woman to address. Yes, in the current um, paradigm. And look in Scotland at Kate Forbes. Mm who almost won the um, the race to the leadership uh, leadership of the Scottish National Party and half of the party agreed with her yes and um, she actually is, reminds me quite a bit of she, uh, in, in this article Kate's actually uh, defended Kate Forbes because yeah. she likewise said well she's being persecuted on the grounds of, of her faith-based convictions exactly and this is a relatively modern um, pseudo-religion of gender transcendence. Yeah. So why, why should she be persecuted? For this? And then look to Italy with uh, Maloney. Yes. So I think there is a um, there is definitely it's like a mother there, bear archetype. Well, they're the fighters. They're the fighters, and I think um, I think they see that men are weak mm. nowadays. And also, I think maybe I wonder to what extent they can tell that men can't win this fight. And maybe we'll get to that in the third story. Yeah, definitely. So what the New Conservatives are doing, uh, they decided to launch their platform. And again, I was invited on Monday to the launch of this. And their new plan, they've released this report and they've done a 12-step program for reducing migration. Um, so they're trying to reduce it by, I think it's about 443,000. And some of the things they're trying to do, they're trying to close the grant schemes for worker visas for senior care workers. Of course, they're going to get people reading and going, oh, our holy NHS, we've already got a shortage of care workers. How could you possibly decide to cut that? Uh, well, who are they taking care of? Oh, it's in 10 years down the line, it's going to be all the older migrants, none of them actually children flooding into care homes. And also on the World Health Organization survey, one in three care workers admitted to abusing a patient. So maybe I don't want those people here. Thank you very much. And by care, do you mean Social those care. that keep killing people via like the Liverpool Care Pathway? <laughs> That's not going on YouTube, is it? Uh, they're also wanting to raise the main uh, skilled work visa salary. So do you remember when they said that we're going to do a points-based immigration system? They said we're only going to have skilled workers. Uh, do you know that the skilled worker threshold is only 30p above the minimum wage? That's their definition of skilled worker. So hence all the visas that have come out. Uh, they're closing the student-dependent route, so that's going to lead to a reduction of 150,000 visa entries because what ends up happening most of the time is you come over as a student 
and then you bring all your family members over and then you stay for an extra few years even after you haven't got a job and then you just sit in the country and rinse cycle repeat every single year for every new income and there's a perverse incentive for universities to do this as well because I learned the other day do you know the student fees have gone up again they've massively increased them and they're already really high for the foreign students so the universities are running up a massive debt and so all they want to do is mass import students every year and then the only thing getting built is student accommodation which is why there's a massive pressure on the housing what? Do you know I'd get rid of all that? Go on. I'd stop giving out student loans. I would stop yeah. universities. Oh, <laughs> I think I because think closing a bunch of them. But would be because my thinking about stopping student loans is that okay? Why why do why do degrees cost nine grand a year? Yep. Because they know full well that is the exact amount of money they will get. Mm. You'll have universities start offering value for money services, yep. and they'll well, at the moment we're we're, we're state funding. Um, you know indoctrination camps Absolutely. basically so so get rid of the state funding and again a lot of people go oh my student debt is so high I graduated in 2016 I've paid back three quid mm. like it's not like a real debt it's never going to affect housing you know getting a mortgage even though you can't get a mortgage because well it's just too expensive to buy a house yeah. but I, I'd, I'd get rid of student fees well the other side not that, student fees sorry uh, student, student loans, loans. So the other side of that is it's really unsustainable as well because if you're never going to pay it back what's the point of amassing all exactly. this debt? the exactly and, and you can tell the system's rigged because all of the graduate the, the undergraduate degrees are the exact same amount but all the postgraduate degrees vary based on lab time job prospects and the like so, value for money yeah so why was I going and doing English literature don't laugh. Um, sitting I there for a, an actor. Oh, okay, well there you go. <laughs> Don't laugh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was an actor. <laughs> so we're all professional, useless people. It turns out. But why was I paying nine grand for like two contact hours a week when some guy going in a biomed lab is using far more resources, far more contact hours, and he's almost guaranteed to get a student graduate pipeline job for X amount at Pfizer. Why is he paying the same amount as me? It, it's because it's a rigged game, isn't it? And then they just want to do things like do the illegal migration bill, cap the number of refugees. Um, most of them aren't actually refugees and, and raise the amount that, that immigrants pay when they come over and use the NHS because currently total migration in 2022 is 1.76 million. And so they want to get it down by at least 443,000. Now, that's still way higher uh, yeah. than before. Yeah, because I don't like this. We're going to reduce. We're going to reduce. No, no, we need to start Going the other way. Yeah. People need to... I don't mean in a nasty way. People need to leave. I mean, if people are... Well, if people are unhappy here, this is something I saw on this morning, something we've covered before. These Windrush poems about colonisation in reverse, it's like, right, okay, you clearly don't like the country you've come to. You would be happier somewhere else, somewhere you'd feel more at home. So if that's the case, then we should facilitate you returning to somewhere that you would contribute far better to. I think I think it's only right. As a, as a patriotic Englishman, I want only patriotic Englishmen here. So Now, I know that you can't just immediately stop all immigration, it would take a little, maybe one or two years or something, because, yep. I mean, there are certain jobs that need to be filled. But stop immigration, like completely. Um, I think we are at a point as society, we have to integrate people that are here, yes. get rid of the people that can't be and don't want to be integrated. Um, and I'm not just talking for the UK actually kind of the whole world needs to slow down with movement because countries need to settle. Hmm. They need to figure out who they are. They need to figure out how they can deal with what they didn't do. I'm German. Like we haven't integrated um, our immigrants from the 60s. Hmm. So we're still dealing with that. And to be honest, my, my wife, she's from, from Africa. It's not great for Africa hmm. that all the young men are leaving. They should. They need to stay there to either build up the countries or revolt against the corrupt governments. Yes. And for that, you also need young men. 
So they, we're literally bleeding Africa dry. What what needs to happen is that these countries build themselves up. And I'm actually kind of looking forward to an African alliance against the West, where they say we're going to build ourselves up mm. and we're going to dictate um, who we're selling what to and to what prices. A little bit of black empowerment, well, I think, would be nice as long as the Chinese don't make their way I in. was going to say, it makes, them, it makes them far yeah. less susceptible to Chinese capture if you've got exactly. a bunch of young men saying, sorry, who's you're selling all our jobs off to migrant workers and all the infrastructure sucks and we're going to be paying for this forever just because the dictator wants his pockets lined. Mm. No, no, thank you. Re revolt now. You know yeah. that, That's going to be a much better way of doing it. Um, There's just a thing that they included here as well that I didn't realise. Because obviously, again, once the, the spectre of Starmer is looming over this conversation, turns out that he wrote in a, a re review of immigration law and practice for an edition of Socialist Lawyer magazine, and he said there's a racist undercurrent which permeates all immigration law, whether implemented by the Tories or Labour. Obviously the same thing. So that's going to be driving his immigration. Um, problem is, though, with friends like these, the Conservatives, who needs enemies? Because the government responded to this paper uh, and they said, and I quote, Downing Street rejected their proposals. The Prime Minister's spokesman said existing immigration policies were striking the right balance. What, flooding the country is striking the right balance? <laughs> You're all traitors and deservedly well, lose. It sounds like they w really want to lose the election. Yes. Yeah. And, and frankly, um, my prediction, and I was speaking to some sources close to this, my prediction is that they're going to lose. They're going to lose heartily. Penny Mordaunt is going to get in because she can carry a sword, I suppose. That's about as qualified as she is. And she's Bill Gates' best mate as well. And when a gender issue comes up, because it's the new lobotomy, and they go, wow, why have we been doing this to people? The backbenchers, like Kate, are going to turn around and go, well, you supported this this entire time, so you're unfit to be leader. And then there's going to be, like your shirt says, a kind of MAGA revolution within the party. A party within the party. And you can see this building because of the shifting narrative. Now, at this event, there were very vitriolic reporters. They called on all of the establishment figureheads. And one of the most vitriolic was actually Darren McCaffrey from GB News, who was trying to point out, well, you don't have the party's backing, you're going against the Prime Minister, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth, really going for the throat. They were turning it on its head and saying, the media is dishonest, you guys are just trying to poo-poo this, isn't this what MPs are meant to do? They're not just meant to placate to you, they're meant to placate to their constituents. No, we reject it. And so I'm going to play a clip for you here because Jacob Rees-Mogg, who is a figure of the establishment, interviewed Cates and Kruger on well, how how do we how do we do this migration bill? As you said, there's going to be a problem with the economy for the next few years. And he had a typical establishment stooge on the sofa as well. Let's listen to how they handled this. Well, I mean, that's a good question. But I think we do have the freedom, as Danny said, to adjust this points-based system. That doesn't need new legislation. We can just change the guidance. And I think when we brought in this initial salary cap of 26,000, I mean, perhaps the government didn't think it would lead to the kind of migration levels that it has done. But we have seen those levels rise. And it's right to increase the salary threshold to the point at which people become net contributors to our economy. So I think that's a really important start. But there are things we can do without legislation. The well, trouble is that, from your, with what you're saying, is that the British economy is hugely dependent on more migration. That's why the figures have gone up to 606,000. The illegal immigration is only a small part of it. The health service is dependent on, uh, 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 on migration. And uh, the, the universities uh, are, are, have become hugely dependent on foreign students. The, if, if you were 
and I don't believe it would ever happen in a million years, but if you were uh, before the next election or even you know, shortly afterwards to get it down to Damien Green and David Cameron's promise of tens of thousands, the economic effect would be devastating. Well, well I think you've used exactly the right word, dependent. We are dependent on this mass level of cheap labour from abroad and mm. until we end that dependency, we're not going to see any improvement. But you're not going to do that overnight, are you? No, that, we're not, that we're that not going to do that overnight. But we have to do it. We have to take this extremely important step of saying that progressively but quickly we will stop the inflow of cheap labour because you're right the economy that we have at the moment is totally dependent on this source of labour but we need to change the economy so that people are properly investing businesses are investing in technology in training of skills we ourselves as a country are training our own young people rather than sending them off to universities to do degrees that aren't going to help them get a job that will sustain them in life we need to be supporting our own businesses and our own young people. So we have to change the economic model. And that will only happen if we make this really important step of saying we're going to reduce the flow of inward migration. And that will induce the changes that are needed. But it can't happen quick immediately, but it's got to start now. That's probably the best way to handle it. You don't keep playing a rigged game. You flip the board. You don't just keep taking your monopoly money if you're running the bank dry. It is an insane proposal. And so well done to those two for actually trying to change the conversation a bit. Because I am sick of the, oh, but the holy GDP argument. I don't care if the line goes up if I'm being slowly immiserated. If GDP per capita, the amount of money that each person has, is going down and you're just battery farming people and then taking taxes to subsidise them going down to the high street and piddling away my hard-earned money on cigarettes and JD Sports apparel every week. Now, <clears throat> when they say that we need workers, mm. um, since I moved here, I, I couldn't help but notice that um, your Brits are incredibly lazy. <laughs> There is a no, 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 I've got, no. Sorry, Joe, of if course. it wasn't so early, I would, I would, I would be <laughs> over there. But I can't be bothered. To be fair, there are, there are currently five million as a record welfare dependents in this country. So he's not wrong about that. Well, point. but it's not their fault. It's not their fault. Uh, many of them are like third, maybe even fourth generation unemployed. Mm. They've never learned what it means like to work. They're obviously not encouraged to work because mm. they get free stuff, and. It's going to hurt, but you have to end the free stuff policies. We, we can't take, and I, I'm from Germany, so I'm an immigrant, yeah? And I'm okay. Like, like if, if a couple of years ago you would have said, sorry, you can't come in, well, then I, I would have stayed in Germany. No, you wouldn't have. That's not the German way. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Poland. Maybe Poland. But, but it's just because it's a lovely country and... and <laughs> <laughs> you're running try, out of space. You're to try out the new boots, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but um, you have to train your own people. The British people don't have a future. They don't see a future. Mm. Um, and yes, you, you can't just snap your finger and say, oh, and now we've, we've got educated uh, young people. But you have to move towards it. And I don't see the Conservative Party doing anything in that regard. And actually, sorry, but you have to be honest and you have to be a little bit more populist about it and say, you're lazy. Hmm. You, you're not getting free stuff anymore. And that's not to hurt you. It's because your life's going to be so much better when you actually work. Yeah, it's, free money is a drug, so you need some kind of national rehab program to slowly wean people off of it so they don't get system shock, 
But also, you can't have this unsustainable habit, which is basically killing your spirit. Yeah. Like, I know tons of... Well, I don't know them personally. I know, actually, one or two. But anyway, there's a bunch of single mums somewhere who have got some kind of council flat. They've got money on the never-never. They pop out a kid with a new husband every now and again. Mm. And they are having a much more lavish lifestyle on my hard-earned money being taxed off me, doing their nails, doing their hair extensions, going to Turkey and getting their teeth and tits done. No no, thank you. Like that, That is not the way to run a country. It yeah. just creates perverse incentives to people to do nothing and be superficial. My, my auntie in... I say auntie. Unfortunately, we are blood-related. But in Teesside, she, I remember when I was 13, she encouraged my cousin, I think it was 15 at the time, to get pregnant, to get a free house. Mm. I remember saying to my dad, like, Dad, this isn't right. Like, what'd you do about this? He said, well, we're probably the Conservatives. And, you know, so I've, I've voted blue ever since. And then, oh, it turns out that it's just another Labour. Yeah, well, Maggie Thatcher <laughs> basically started this. She said that pretty much all single mums can have a free council house. <clears throat> it's like, they're, they're all the same stripe of neoliberal nonsense. It's Going just... back to what that guy said, yep. sorry. Um, well, he said, like, oh, we can't we can't change this overnight. Why? I, 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 hate, I hate this kind of... This mentality we've developed it in, well, just in the whole West, like, mm. oh, it's going to need planning, it's going to need meetings. Bureaucracy. No, we just do it now. We just do but it. But I tell you why we can't. And um, I mean, look at Liz Truss. <clears throat> I mean, she wasn't smart, no question about it. But her proposals weren't the worst thing in the world, mm. and she was just like her head was cut off by the yep. media and exactly the same thing would happen all the time so unless you first dethrone the media um you can't actually do anything because the 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 public will never get behind it mm. um it you, will the organized will be... elite will poison them against you exactly yep. so so change the narrative change the media um and all of that needs to happen kind of at the same time uh Unfortunately, usually things have to get worse and worse and worse for that to happen. I mean, I'm German in Germany. The AFD is now mm. really like doing really well. The the right leaning party, the only right leaning party. Uh, but it took years. And what changed the narrative is that um, the people of Germany, they couldn't close their eyes anymore. They just see that what the media writes and what's really happening that it's not the same, that they are being lied to. So unfortunately, I think that the UK will go through a couple more really rough years and um, the the Conservative Party will, will probably have to completely fall apart uh, before it can restructure a, con a more populist version. Yeah, they're due to. Uh, one of the main things actually that's changing <clears throat> this conversation because things really are getting worse is to pivot slightly on something that you know a lot about as well that I've spoken to you about for, for Rebel News before, and that is sex education in schools. And Kate has been laser focused on this stuff. Uh, she actually included some of the materials that Josh and I presented on in her sex education inquiry. So cheers for that. Thank you very much. She's recently introduced into Parliament a sex education transparency private members bill. Now it's going to have its second reading in November, so we'll keep updates coming. But the argument is that no sex education materials can be included specifically from outside resource providers mm -hmm. in schools unless they pass parental permission first. You can already imagine the types that are going to be voting against this, can't you? And this comes off the back of a mother, Claire Page, who lost a legal battle because her 15-year-old daughter returned from school one day and she was taught that heteronormativity was a bad thing and that she should be sex positive. And the tribunal judge called Sophie Buckley ruled the commercial interests of the third-party sex education provider outweighed the public interest in forcing the school to release the lesson plan. So the mother wasn't even allowed to see the lesson plan 
from the provider that the school had brought into the school to ideologically poison her daughter without consent. And this was despite Gillian Keegan, who's the current education secretary, of whom I'm not a fan, which we'll see in a moment, ruled that they had to do this, right? So, so from the top, like you said, there's a blob here, there's a judicial blob, media blob, that is preventing any formative action being taken. And Gillian Keegan herself turns out to be another Tory wet that, that Kate isn't keen on. Never. <laughs> People have the right to their own identity. Whether you are 16 or 17 years old, you should be allowed to change your identity with parental consent. Now, it is possible, funnily enough, that parents can do horrible things to their children. So there are rare cases where a functional state should step in. I don't think a parent should be able to give liposuction to an anorexic child, mm -hmm. nor do I think you should be able to give breast binders to your young autistic daughter. Mm -hmm. These are sensible things to do, Gillian. And I do not think you can call yourself conservative, big C or small C, if you don't know that men and women are separate categories and you can't change them by thought. I also don't think you should be the education secretary if you think that children should be able to do this, and I think that we should replace her with Kate's ASAP. But I don't think they're going to learn that lesson before a defeat. So, Well, to be honest, the thing is, this whole thing about identity, um, it's called fashion and personality. Mm. People have personality. You don't change people's personality. You just like... But within the setting of a school, you have a school uniform. Mm. You wear what you're told to wear. And you behave appropriately in in the setting of the of the school. There is this this thing about identity. It really rubs me the wrong way because, uh, especially gender identity, there is no such thing as a gender identity. There is just gender expression, mm. and that's fashion. And what you do in your free in your spare time? I was a goth. I looked like Marilyn Manson. Ah. That's 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 your thing. Not in the school. Yeah. Don't infect other people with it. Yeah, but the thing is, gender expression is also anchored to your biological sex. You can't stray so far from one or the other. Actually, this continuum, your, your box of how much of a man are you, should be a measure of actually how happy are you? How, how, how are you living correlatively to how your biology should make you feel? Mm -hmm. And in doing so, it makes you more attractive to the opposite sex and you're more likely to have a healthy family. And I'm glad you brought up the point of you can't change your personality because there's been a comparison with gender surgeries, gender affirming care, you know, chemical castration and mutilation to lobotomies because that was a, an epidemic, mm -hmm. particularly in America in the 50s and 60s where they thought, oh, you know what? You're feeling a bit sad. Well, there's a nice picker on electroshock. They actually did try and change their personality. And that was the horrible thing that happened to those people. So why do we think that trying to change your gender identity with surgical interventions and affirmative therapy is going to have any other result than ratcheting up that suicide rate? It's just I barbaric. mean, this whole affirmative therapy like you don't tell somebody who thinks he's Napoleon that he's Napoleon. Yes. You don't cut his legs off to make him a bit shorter. Yes. Uh, makes absolutely no sense. We've always treated it the way if you think there's something wrong with you, we change how you think about yourself, mm. not how, how you present yourself. Yeah, spot on. So what kind of materials are in school? Well, I'm going to bring up this tweet from Planned Parenthood, right? Virginity is a social construct eh? on a giant billboard for the audio listeners. Um... I know you might be confused because you still have yours, Callum, but, you know. <laughs> Which doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Well, as Christians, you know, we've been trying to regrow uh, ours, I, of I, course. I completely support you. <laughs> look how red he's going. Look, look, look at it. Caught it live on camera, ladies and gentlemen. Now, the reason I brought that up, it seems a bit unrelated. Turns out this was actually part of a school curriculum thing. Um, this was in a UK school. The School of Sexuality Education has given students worksheets citing activist Dr. Hannah Blank 
who says virginity does not exist and invites pupils to discuss whether virginity is a damaging social construct. Groomers, Absolutely. stop discussing virginity with children, you you weird people. Now, reason <laughs> apart from saying that it might be a good thing. Well, yeah, yeah, just abstain until you find like someone you me. want to have a relationship with. <laughs> yeah. Paragon of masculinity. <laughs> the, the reason I bring this up is because Gillian Keegan, as she's education secretary, can't argue to keep these people out of schools. Because if she argues that you can transition your gender, then you need someone to guide you through that. So they're just going to keep bringing these people in as the kind of new priests of gender transition religion. Mm. And so they're going to keep talking to kids about diddling them. Yeah, but sorry, this whole thing, oh, we have to make uh, sex education transparent. I mean, this is ridiculous. Mm. Um, because... They will not address, for example, feminist um, stuff being pushed into the schools. Yep. They're, they're pushing, um, for example, a consent education, but only that the boys have to learn how not to be rapist and the yep. women learn um, how to be empowered. Uh, this, the conservatives are so weak. Mm. Don't just attack one little bit that is currently in the media. Mm. You have to get all ideology out of the school. Go on the offensive. All of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can't have any racial ideology in yes. our school. Like like my wife and I, we, we ain't gonna send our children into, into school. We don't want them to learn that the UK is racist because it isn't. Mm. So, yeah. too weak, way yeah. too weak. Yeah, well, you mentioned there, go on the offensive. That's one of the reasons why they won't do it because they'll be called offensive. Yeah. And yep. It's, it's, it's castrated but as well. People is. want that. Yep. A lot of how many people say, you know what? Call me Nazi, call me whatever, call me a homophobe, it, it, call you've me. You've cried it's, wolf too many times exa for it to mean Exactly. Anymore. I think a big part of, a big chunk of the population doesn't care anymore. Mm. Call me offensive, this is what I stand for. The Tories could, could immediately take, well, look at the last election. Why did they win in such numbers? Because people wanted change. Yep. People wanted, not just in regards to uh, immigration, they wanted socially to change things. They could have used it and they completely threw it out of the window. Yeah, it's, one of the greatest disgusting. missed opportunities in history. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, I wanted to give a shout out to Andrew Bridgen, the only Reclaim MP. He was kicked out of the Conservative Party because the <laughs> Conservatives were really weak. He tried to introduce a bill that would make it unacceptable illegal to socially transition kids in schools and to teach gender ideology as a fact. He quoted Douglas Murray in his speech and the MPs decided to laugh. He also quoted the likes of socialist George Bernard Shaw to prove that, quote, gender ideology has been clinically and systematically imposed on children from the top down. So, one, whoever wrote his speech and, and two, obviously Bridget himself, actually gets this. Uh, do, you, do you want to guess how far this bill went by any chance? Nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> shock. The reason is, um, look at that. So, votes by party, eyes, mostly conservative, uh, nose, oh, look at that, big blue block. Ten conservatives voted against it. What are they trying to conserve? Blairism. <laughs> Blairism. <laughs> Let's look at the members voting no, shall we? Now, no, of course, it's going to be loads of Labour's. But uh, here's a few names. Crispin Blunt. Do you remember Crispin Blunt? Well, I wouldn't call him Blunt, but... No, no, no. no very, very squidgy and soft, if anything. Uh, he had to... He got in a bit of a scandal recently because there was another MP, or he might have been a lord, who had raped a child, and he said that the persecution was very homophobic. Weird self-report. Also, Elliot Colburn was involved, and this isn't going on YouTube, so that's fine. He was involved in the uh, vaccine debate and said that anyone pushing uh, COVID... Provable COVID jab injuries was an uh, uh, anti-vaxxer conspiracy theorist. Well, the thing is, right, I, I, I don't like, sorry to digress. No. I don't like this term 
conspiracy theorist. Like, because it's just used as a slur, isn't yes. it? It's like, no, no, I'm, I'm a critical, open-minded thinker. Yep. And yes, I am an anti-vaxxer, because I've actually looked into it. I find mm. most people who defend it, they're, defend, they're, they're fighting the fight for other people. One, don't know who they are. Two, mm. don't care who they are. And they don't know what they're fighting for. It's just, oh, well, it's science has proven. Sorry. Science is now also saying that, you know, I can be a woman if I want to. Like, I just, yeah, sorry. The, the whole conspiracy theory yeah. thing, it just drives me mad. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was yeah, cooked up. It was cooked up as a, as a CIA piffy phrase to dismiss criticism. So it's literally a psyop. <laughs> but I... What happened in the last couple of years, I thought, in many ways, was a good thing because um, a lot of people looked at one thing that was clearly a lie and started looking at the next thing that is clearly mm. a lie. The amount of people that I see in my shop that I have conversations in when, for example, I bring up Ukraine and they're like, yeah, I mean, NATO kind of pushed for that conflict to happen. And I'm like, ah, people starting to actually look into things. It's not the majority of people, but I do think this whole, like calling people conspiracy theorists uh, pushed some mainstream people into saying, wait a second, that, that's not a conspiracy yeah. theory. That, that was true. So I think it made more people wake up. and It's, it's backfired quite a bit. Exactly. And similar to what I said uh, before in regards to calling people racist and homophobes, calling somebody conspiracy theorist, now it's like, yeah, just go ahead. I was right all the time. Yeah. And so this is why I think actually Conservative Party should, uh, or at least the, the rebels, should be leaning into this. Yeah. And this is something... Um, Oh, I think the link is gone, unfortunately. But l this is one of the things that Lawrence Fox is pressing uh, Lee Anderson mm. on. And he said, well, Lee, why weren't you voting for this private member's bill? You're the deputy executive chairman of the Conservative Party. Uh, you are members of this new Conservatives group, Miriam Cates. Why, why did you decide uh, not to do this? And, and so Lee Anderson said, well, because I didn't, it wasn't publicized. I didn't know about it. However, uh, keep your eyes peeled for something coming soon. So Miriam Cates is clearly doing something about mm -hmm. this. So that's, that's encouraging. And... Also, I just thought we'll go on to the last couple of policies before we wrap up that Cates is doing. Uh, Labour wants mass daycare for, for all kids. Now, now Jeremy Hunt's trying to fund this, obviously, from ages nine months and up. But they now want graduate-led daycares to remove education inequalities. Now, what that means, of course, is mass indoctrination factories. Mm. Because you have to get the kids when they're young. You've, before before their before their heads are filled with counter revolutionary thought, you you have to put them in a government school and and tell them oh the state knows best. And I covered quite a lot of this with with Josh, our colleague who's a psychologist in the office. Um, loads of the data on daycare, and this is just a demographic time bomb because some of the things that it does it engenders adverse relationship schemas in them. They get avoidant, attached, uh, insecure. Their blood cortisol level at the start of the day spikes, and it can lead to anxiety disorders throughout their adolescence. So these are just misery factories that the government uses to capture your children and it also separates the bond between the mother or the parents and the and the child yes. um and what we what we have seen recently in america with with mothers or parents defending their children mm. the the sooner you cut these ties the less likely the parents are to actually stand up and defend their children i would assume yeah definitely definitely and so that's why kate's again is rallying against this she says yeah experts certainly agree that care given between birth and age two has more influence on a child's future than at any other time in their life but who is the you to whom the labor party refers the implication is that the state 
that can have the biggest impact in a child's early life, and by extension, that this must be achieved by superseding the role of the parent. The logical conclusion is that the role of family should be diminished, and responsibility for raising children transferred to the state. Otherwise, there will be inequality. Now, frankly, I'm not particularly concerned about inequality, but she's saying there, no, the existence of the state is to facilitate families. You serve us. The primary role of the state is not to socially engineer everyone. And so we're seeing the narrative shift even going against the Chancellor's own plan. So again, when the Conservative Party are defeated, then they will be in retreat and they can be changed. And the last part I wanted to focus on, and this is something that will struck a chord with you, is that Miriam Cates has been speaking to the Children's Commissioner and she's been speaking to them about children's access to pornography online. And so from behind the scenes, she's pushing Rishi Sunak to consider a review of all laws covering the access to online pornography. Now this will be in the Online Harms and Safety Bill. This is a bad thing. You could do a totally separate bill for this because the Online Harms and Safety Bill will be to police speech and have Ofcom regulate shows like ours. So we'll have to have one left winger in the chair at all times mm. or just, just Callum in a wig and he can play the villain, I suppose. Ah! Be very convincing. <laughs> That'll be but, your right laugh. Yeah, That'll exactly. Laugh. We'll have to do that at some point, actually. Um, so what ends up happening is they are now looking into putting age verification in place, much like France is looking to do and much like a lot of American states have done. And I would like to put forward, and then I'll get your, your take on this before we wrap up, that this is a very good thing to do, um, not just to keep children safe, but to punish the companies themselves, because the companies in responding to this, this is MindGeek, who own Pornhub, um, they said they want porn to be boring. So they've said, this is Solomon Friedman, who's the uh, founder of Ethical Capital Partners, ironically named, who, who bought MindGeek. I think society has moved in the direction where we're proud of sexual expression. The fact that it's adult is going to be boring. What? Just like the fact that legalized cannabis in Canada has become boring. And and so but, he but, said but but it's it's, it's always of, adult. Yeah, it's kind of surprising that the one selling the drug um says we yeah. should normalize the drug. Yeah, yeah, just shocking. <laughs> I mean, he he does said we don't want any underage users on our websites whatsoever. But excuse me if I don't believe you when you made the cost benefit calculation of when American states decided, "Oh, you just got to put your passport in or some kind of ID." They went, "We're banning it across the whole state." So it means that their ability to police it would have probably cost them more than the business it would have actually brought in because they're relying on loads of kids watching it without any age verification. Two of their websites don't have any age verification whatsoever, not even like a little tick box of saying yes, continue or whatever. They've gone, oh, well, we're not going to be able to sell these these figures to our advertisers, so we're going to lose so much money, so we may as well not operate it there. So I think punish these weird, sick people and uh, continue protecting kids. And it seems that Miriam Cates is doing very much that. So whether or not the Conservatives lose, hopefully we'll get a vanguard changing the conversation. Brilliant. Right, on to the next one then. Um, turns out that we have a resident expert here on, on immigration, don't we, Callum? Because you... you I thought it was him, because he's German. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and my wife's from Botswana. <laughs> yes, well, yeah, over time... Take uh, the lead! You're, you're, we're, you're, we're destroying the gene pool. Yeah, your people have been in plenty of countries where they probably shouldn't have been, but uh, Callum was first-hand experience going to the Calais migrant camps. You've got some insider footage, and, and this actually follows a, an interview you did with Bo not too long ago, back when you I had... I look like a demon there. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> what drugs were you on? Um, whatever ones Don't the migrants are I suppose. <laughs> so, uh, if I'm right in thinking you did this bloody awful haircut to get away with your disguise, right? It wasn't just a style choice. Well, I kind of envisaged getting sacked, and I thought I might try and get in Blink-182 or something. <laughs> so I thought I'd... Uh... <laughs> Then I remembered was I can't you, play an instrument. Was this what you dressed like in your goth phase? Blimey. <laughs> oh, so, no, no, no. I was much better looking. <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is the footage that you decided to, to take for us. <laughs> um, 
Well, why don't you just talk us through it? Because this was properly eye-opening. Because there's very few people that have actually explored the the Calais jungle, um, a rather disgusting tent-filled concrete jungle, right? Uh, how did you How did you manage to get around? Um, well, so are we listening to this? No, one? no, it's oh, going right, to be on so mute. Just I talk can never as you keep that in. <laughs> um, I've heard that before. <laughs> Are you watching his videos? <laughs> um, yeah, no. So, so literally, we just we just went, went over to the to, to France, hired a car, rented an Airbnb, and the thing is, you can just they're everywhere. Right. The weird thing is, despite the fact it's like it, it is a Le Pen stronghold, at the same time, I I can't see where those voters are mm. because everyone is just numb to it. As in, n- no one they, they seem to neither care nor really care. Like is, that, there was this one African camp. Now, um, all the migrants, it's fun. One of the funny thing is, is they also, they segregate themselves. Right. Because, well, so the African camps in there, it's feral. And it's not racist before Media Matters watch this. You know, it's just a fact. In there, that like anything can happen. Charities before have covered up the rapes of charity charity workers. And things like the Afghanis and the Pakistanis, they know full well. If they get caught out, they get sent back. They've got to start again. They almost wait until then the UK before they get up to no good. So like the Albanians will be in their own camps, the Afghans, the, the, those from the Middle East will be in their own, those from Africa will be in their own. But everyone in so that in that first bit there, mm. right by that camp of well over a thousand people, there's a new housing estate, and people are just in there, and no one's kicking up a fuss that these people are there. The police they temporarily move them on, so it's on. Basically, they just don't let anything become a fixed abode anymore. Right. They don't get rid of them. They just move them on. So literally, you could just walk around any. You drive along. You get out of the car. You walk around. You're pretty safe, as I was saying earlier. You're pretty safe amongst like the Pakistanis and the Afghanis. Then, if anything, they're actually quite talkative. Like, they they won't do anything because they know they'll get sent back and they have to start the whole process again. But one of the interesting thing was, so like some people would say, oh, but you've got to think about the women and children. Do either of you two want to have a guess how many women and children I saw when I was out there? I'm going to guess zero. Right? Mm, I, I, I would assume there were a few, but very, very few. Two of each. Right. So I saw thousands of 16 to 35-year-old yep. men, two women, two children. And Northern Fro- uh, Calais and Dunkirk, it is absolutely heaving with them have you ever seen uh, The Walking Dead mm-hmm. so you know like bits where they walk on the train tracks where it's all a bit overgrown yeah oh wow so, okay. yes yeah, so we, we saw this this one camp off from the side of the bridge and it looked huge we thought right what we'll do is because uh, we've not long got told that um, yeah one of the he said mafia but he means smugglers um, was here the other day and shot somebody he didn't trust <laughs> and so he kind of went a bit away to put the drone up to have a proper look from above and we got this drone up, and we hear this rustling, and it's almost like on the train in The Walking Dead, where they just come out of the, uh, the yeah the Walker horde yeah the where they just like, come out of the bushes. And there was a moment where like your ass is going like that, <laughs> but they they you know they, they were from the Middle East, just walking past us, drinking, didn't yeah. care. And that point, you're like, oh my god, we're not looking at a camp, yeah. We're in it. Yeah. We're in a huge camp, but they are absolutely everywhere. One of the most disturbing bits, actually, in this footage that, that I saw was when you go into one of the tents and you're talking with a harsh voice, machetes, chainsaws. Like Again, if the police are breaking this up, they're not doing a very good job of, of making sure it's very safe, are they? 
I mean, what do you need a chainsaw for? Well, exactly. That was my, well, my first question. What do you need a chainsaw for? But funny, so uh, this guy, I think it was this guy here. Hmm. So we were talking to him and we were like, so why, why don't you want to claim asylum in France? Why do you want to go to the UK? He was ah, because of the, uh, the, the Dublin regulation, I've already claimed asylum in Malta. And they've ta- I, think, I think he's actually saying it now. Mm. Um, they've taken my back biometrics there. So if I claim it here, I get sent back. But because the UK is no longer in the Dublin reg- regulation, but we're yeah. in the 1951 Asylum Convention, as soon as they get over here and go, I'm a refugee, yeah. it's up to our government to, to prove otherwise. Yeah, because the 1951 Refugee Convention defines a refugee as anyone who is unable or unwilling to return to their country. Yes. So just don't want to, mate. <laughs> Everybody. Yeah, yeah, which yeah, we, exactly. could, we could just stop tomorrow, but... Yeah. Which is one of the things where I get annoyed about the whole, oh, it's going to take time. No, it doesn't have to take time. Mm. Instead of the border force picking the boats up and bringing them to shore, fine, pick the boats up, the boats up, and take them back to shore. Yeah. The French, firstly, been paid half a billion pounds to stop this. Mm. Some do, some don't. Funny enough, there was one night. So the, um, I think I do have a death wish. Because, <laughs> <laughs> so well, you're on this show. <laughs> the show. The older migrants call new ones freshies. Right. Because they're fresh immigrants. And so when you buy a seat on the boat, and if either of you have ever seen Snapchat maps, you kind of there's highlighted areas where people have taken lots of videos. You can literally just look along the northern French coastline and where it's lit up, just click on there and you'll come across stories of Albanians. So what they do is they, they, they film it, right. like them going down the... Yeah, I've seen the TikTok videos, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they do it on TikTok as well. And they they're high, they are advertising their product. Yeah. So it'll say like £3,000. You know, for a crossing. Yeah. So if I can see it, I don't have Snapchat. Yeah. The British government can see can it. See. Yeah, it's like the so theory of people smuggling. Yeah, so they can see that it's not refugees. It's 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 people smuggling. But there was um. So yeah. So when when you buy a seat on the boat, one of the smugglers will will like take you near the sand dunes mm-hmm. and they'll hide at night because some of the French police are actually doing what we're paying them to do and they stop it. And some there's videos where they literally walk them down ashore. And um, it was like two a.m. and I'm there going. Here, freshy, 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 <laughs> Jack. Fortunately, taking me back to my uni days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Putting a migrant Here, on the scene. Here, fresher, fresher, fresher. <laughs> yeah. So that's how you lost your <laughs> <laughs> um, And uh, anyway, we couldn't find any of them. But literally in that area, a few hours later, when like so, mm. where yeah, so the when sunlight, the sun starts to come up. The other smugglers will then bring the boats. So then it's a quick try, quickly get in, get them, mm. once they're in the water, according to the French, I think English waters is about six feet away from their shoreline. Right, okay. So as soon as in the water, they do they do yeah. nothing. And uh, a few hours later at sunrise, there were some French coppers actually doing their job and they got knifed in this wow. actual area. But during that day, so hours previously, there was some um, discarded shoes with sand in and mm. some... some uh, Just saying, Jack- sorry, yeah. can I ask... The, I assume this is all trash lying next. Yes. To- oh, yeah. So this is the African camp I was talking about. Uh-huh. Uh, there's well over a, a thousand people in there, and uh, yes. Yeah, so I found these these two life jackets, and I brought them back. I should have brought them today, actually. <laughs> I brought them back to the UK. And the funny thing was, so uh, we we're asked in, in customs, what, "What are you doing with these?" And I'm like, "Hold on, shouldn't shouldn't you be asking this question to everyone?" Out there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everyone washing up on the shore. <laughs> That's mental. But so, so then, what ended up happening was as well. You've 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 been a, a busy lad for the last year or so. You then went to all of the hotels that have been. Housing. Did the hotels first? Yeah, we can do the hotels. No, yeah, no, no we, we did the hotels. Yes, first yeah, yeah, and then yeah. Went, yeah, yeah. So, so you've been inside this lot. So, uh, how how lovely were the conditions in that place? Well, 
prior, they were quite nice. Yes. There's some very nice hotels. Things. So the annoying thing is, we're still the only news outlet to have done this. Right. No one else seems to want to talk about it. So Cal- Callum actually rang them up and he was trying to ask, oh, um, when did you get the government contract? How much were you getting paid? Did you put the phone down on him every single time? Yeah, no, they will. But you can actually, some of these hotels, just go on them and look at when you can next book. And like, yeah. there's uh, not this one, but the next one, I think it was fully booked till April 24. Yeah. But a lot of them are like seven year contracts and the money is huge. We, we went up to Skegness where to talk to some people who turned it down. Yeah. yeah. That was that was this one, wasn't it? Yes, Skegner. Uh, funny enough, I say it's not funny enough. There's a little park outside, and at the time, I said if I was a rapist, hmm. I'd rape a girl here, and I knew full what's going to happen. And then last last week, a girl oh. was raped in that park, Skegner, by a 33 year old so-called asylum seeker. But again, so we it's so easy to get in these places. You wear a high vis vest, hmm. and if you want you for added uh, theatrics, carry a ladder. You can get in anywhere. <laughs> yeah. We knocked yeah. on and we went, yeah, from um, Smithfield Electrics, we're doing a quote for a light fitting on the second floor. And then, yeah, just go sign in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was easy. And uh, just walking around, you've got like your notebook and you're holding your phone outside to show that you're... Uh, I probably shouldn't be saying that loud because I'm, I'm giving away all, all the game. Trans- I'll, never, I'll never be able to do this again. I'll never be able to do this again. But um, so this was actually a few weeks after and, and they knew who we were. Right. Like that, that video went viral. And I had people... In this, actually, this meeting, there was someone saying she couldn't get a dental appointment until November next year. Mm-hmm. Whereas, if, if you're if you're one of these so-called asylum seekers, you get one that morning. Yeah, yeah, sure. I think it might be that woman actually, mm-hmm. but you get one that morning. They get absolutely everything. Didn't Plus, they do that in Germany where they, they had massive waiting lists for oh, yeah. uh, for healthcare and yeah. they all, I the, mean, all the Syrian migrants, Mama Merkel, fast tracked them through. My um, my fa- my father is a dentist or was a dentist. Oh, right. His wife is a dentist nurse, and yeah, she said exactly that, and she has. She's a lovely person, uh, didn't have a problem with migrants, and, and she said our, our clients uh, couldn't, couldn't get appointments anymore. Mm. We had to treat everybody, and they got everything done, not just uh, emergency treatment, like everything. Yeah, well, th- th- this is also part of the problem. Like, it's not just, not just crime. It's not just the principle of the thing, as in like the indigenous Brits have, a, have an entitlement to not want to have their homeland filled with people who are being human battery farmed at their expense. And it's not just the cultural incompatibilities that these people are bringing over with them. It's just the raw numbers. The infrastructure just can't handle it. Like mm. trains, housing, healthcare. It, it, it's just everything's collapsing. Nothing's getting better. Um, who, the, you spoke to the couple in, in this particular video, didn't you? Yeah, so they own the, um, you know, if anyone does fancy going to Skegness, make sure you're booking at the Hatters Hotel because you know, they're actually standing up yeah. for, for not just like the local community, but, but for the United Kingdom. Yes. Uh, yeah, they, so they were offered, they were offered big money mm. and they said, right, what you have to do is you have to sack all your staff. Yeah, we have one, one member of staff and yeah, we'll, we, we'll give you this amount of money, like mm. wheelbarrows full. And they, they, they refused to do it. But unfortunately, the owners of these, Hotels sold out. Because, yeah, this, these are the good guys who want to get in there. <laughs> Go stay there for a weekend. But it kind of goes back to all the this brain, you know, the conspiracy brain, yep. comes into it. We had lockdowns which destroyed uh, the, the, the hotel industry, mm-hmm. and now it's almost like here's a lifeline of a lot. You know, you're, you're, you're yep. just about hanging on. Here's a lot of money. Plan dependency. Yes, to to sell out your country. 
Well, and, it's, it's costing us seven million a day currently. They're projecting, if current numbers continue, will be about ten million a day in the next couple of years. And then Migration Watch did some numbers, and they said, okay, even just to house these people, whether or not you're doing hotels or permanent housing, by 2046 you're going to need fifteen to eighteen more Birmingham's. I mean, one Birmingham's bad enough, but also, like, how the hell are you going to build that many more? Yeah. Come on, like, just it's just exhausting. And lads, we're all paying for it. It's just depressing. Well, I'm not. I'm unemployed. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Well, and actually, we're not really paying for it either because, I mean, we live of borrowed money anyway. Yeah. It's just so. numbers on a screen. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and that's the incentive to bring them all in. Uh, speaking of who's bringing them all in as well, some, something else you, you did at the start of the year, uh, you decided to pitch up at Davos and yes. have a go at all the right people. So you, you spoke to uh, Larry... Well, you tried speaking to Larry Fink and it, it didn't quite go well, did it, really? He wasn't, wasn't too keen on being honest. No, and this is one. This, so I often actually refer back to this video when I try to wake people up, so to speak. Right. So a lot, all all nation states, all their policies ultimately come back to Davos. Yeah. And I, I was walking down the street with a uh, oh, with Larry Fink, one of the most powerful people in the world, one of the richest people in the world. He's the CEO of BlackRock. And I was walking along, and I was thinking like. You're you're here making these decisions, which are then passed down to my country. I've I've never voted for you. Yep. I've never even seen your name on a ballot. So why why do you have such a big say? And then I went on to how you know your your all your decisions. You're saying everything you're doing here is for the good of humanity. So why the secrecy? Mm. If it's for the good of us all, there's no need. You know, it's not like there's the enemy listening. Well. Was the enemy listening here? <laughs> yeah. is he's listening to me. But why, why the secrecy? If you've got nothing to hide, mm. why hide? Unless what you are doing here is nefarious. Wouldn't say a word and just walked into his high castle. As as per usual, these people don't really want to, to be accountable to anyone. Uh, of course, the, the public-facing figure of destroying the UK uh, was the Dark Lord himself. And, Sir uh, Tony of Blair. Yeah, you decided to <laughs> run into the unflushable turd. Uh, I assume that went <laughs> just about as well. Well, this I was actually more upset about this one because uh, I just had a cappuccino with my face printed on it and his entourage kicked it over. Oh. So an, another a, an, another face lay A lot of spite from dead the at the hands wounds. of Tony Blair. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, again, so... I'm 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 all for people making mistakes. Yep. Yeah, it's a Christian value sort of thing, and I'm saying to him like, it's okay to be wrong. We we all we all get it wrong. Yep. But the problem is, is not admitting you're wrong when you're wrong, and it's fine. I said, here's your chance. Do you want to admit you're wrong? Because I all, I specifically was talking about the vaccines. Do you remember the video where he said, if you don't get it, quite frankly, you're an idiot. Yep. Mm. I was like, you were wrong about that. Pfizer's documents. A lot of people have forgotten about the three hundred twenty-one thousand documents that Pfizer mm. got had for the for, to get granted the emergency use authorization. They had to release them all after asking to release them, drip feed them over until twenty ninety-six. Yeah. Just for a reminder. Uh, so, and I asked him, like, it's you know, it's it's fine. You got it wrong. Mm. I'm I'm happy to to play you know naive. You got it wrong. That's fine. But now's your chance to make it right and say you got it wrong. Wouldn't say a thing. Yeah. See, I remember in in the past. I think uh, there was this understanding uh, that or, or the sentiment 
people on the right thought um, that people on the left um, they were um, naive. Yes. Well-meaning and but naive and but people on the left always thought that people on the right are evil, yes. heartless and evil. I truly think that these people are evil and yeah. obviously not not just people on the left but the globalists they're clearly evil. Now, it's possible that they think they're doing good. I mean, I I read plenty of superhero comic books. Doctor Doom does think that he's doing good. He's just he's... looking out for the interests of the people of Latveria. Uh, no, 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 actually, he also conquered the world and, and brought world peace. Yep. And I'm, I'm the I'm... virgin. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he conquered the world and it was world peace, but under complete slavery. Yes. Pretty much. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure that some of these people really do think, well, the plebs don't know what's best for them so i have we have to tell them what to do we have to reduce population and if we have to well, um let a lot of people die so be it mm. we know what's best but i cannot give them the benefit of the doubt anymore and even if they mean well they gotta go yeah and i, I completely agree that but the, the reason why i almost do that is is i kind of want to be that that middleman for what I call like the normies, those yeah. that are kind of under the illusion. Hundred percent. Rather than because one of the things that like drives me mad about our side is that a lot of people they almost do the same but the opposite of, of what the other side do. I remember being at an anti-lockdown protest and someone's someone's got a megaphone going, "Take off your mask!" I'm like, do you not realise you're doing the exact same as what they're doing with that? Where's your mask? You're both just digging deeper into your trenches. You need you need. To, you need to go meet these people oh. in the middle and have a conversation. Oh, do you know what I did? When I was at an anti-lockdown protest, I saw some people in the street uh, with masks on and I said, these masks don't work. You have to get the good ones because the good <laughs> ones really, really protect you. They protect you approximately 5%. So they reduce the likelihood 5%, but these ones aren't good. So if you actually care about other people, at least get the good ones. <laughs> Look at evil genius. This is, this is why you know these people. I'm are so German. German. I'm German. Come on. Well, fantastic. On, on, on that note, obviously you're you're no longer with Rebel. So what's the future plans? Um, I quite do like some of my own stuff. One of the things. So I, whilst I think it's it's noble to try and change the, the political landscape, personally, I I think it's it's a it's a futile fight. I, so I'm I want to go down a lot of the the natural health sort of things, the things that actually everyone can do that is going to absolutely guarantee better their lives. So I, I want to do a lot. I'm going to start doing podcasts with people who talk about natural health and things like the food we eat. You know, for example, I remember a I forget who it was. One of the best things he ever said was, "If the food you has has more than five ingredients in, on the packaging, mm. don't eat it. Mm. It's not food." And and our food is 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 terrible. It's, it's destroyed. We are the world is malnourished, yep. and a lot of people think malnourished just means literally means hungry. You know, it means you're not getting the nourishment you need. Yep. So I'm gonna I want to go down the route of that, and I want to go back to doing my convince me otherwise, go and debate people in the street and get abused. Nice. Because again, I I have it seems like a weird fetish for dancing with death. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, if people want to follow your fitness journey and you getting shouted at in the middle of the street, uh, where can they find you? Uh, so on Twitter, it's at csmiles underscore news. And then on Instagram, I'm going back onto my Frankly Speaking Politics page. Same on Rumble. So 
Brilliant. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I suppose you can see more of Callum's exploits in the future. Right. Moving on to the last one then. This will be fun, gentlemen. So men have had it pretty tough over the last few years, you know, divorce courts, diminished economic, economic opportunities, being constantly berated as agents of cis, hetero, white patriarchy, and whatever buzzword they can throw at us. Thankfully, someone's come up with a solution. Feminist. Finally, finally. Haggard lefty feminist, Caitlin Moran, has a new book out, which will supposedly fix us, in her own words. Oh, I, I really appreciate that. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about all the good things feminism has done for society, uh, you can subscribe to our website for as little as £5 a month and help us keep the lights on and bring in great guests, and also these two. And you can ah. watch mine and Cole's video on the evil origins of feminism. This has been a very popular one on the website, because of course, Cole, being the feminist nemesis, people enjoy seeing him tear them a new one. Part two is coming soon, and it has some solutions, actually. So uh, if this is cancer, feminism, then we've got some chemotherapy coming out. Anyway, so Caitlin Moran, those of you who don't know who she is, she's a sort of Guardian journalist, a uh, uh, friend of Alistair Campbell and James O'Brien, one of the London-centric middle-class elite who are the midwits. Midwit. There we go. Some of us still live there, funnily enough. So she decided to go on Lorraine again to talk about her new book, and... I'd like to subject you to a few minutes of condescension. Oh, Play the clip, please, John. Well, the main problem that boys have is they don't have the ladies' toilets. Like, that's the main strength that women have. If you go into the ladies' toilets, if you've got any problem, you can talk We're to a complete audio. stranger and they'll be like, here's a tampon, you should leave him, give me a hug, let's go for, on the dance floor. That's not happening in the men's toilets. No. And that's the microcosm of where, the difference between being a man and a woman. We talk about our problems. We do. We come up with solutions. Boys feel they've got to keep quiet or just be cool or just banter. They can't have that kind of, I'm in trouble, help me, that girls do. That's true, the banter thing's true. And yeah. it was so, I mean, again, you know, when I was reading this, that thing of when you were saying if when men go out with one another and they come back and you say to them well how's you know what uh, the house move is that going well and yeah. um, what about the wee dog that wasn't well what about the wee girl that was ill and they go what are you talking about yeah i'm like you've been with that fella for four hours why did you not find exactly things out? what have you been talking about for the last four hours you do compare men with dogs but in a yes. in actually in a, in a good way that's not an insult <laughs> oh no totally yeah no it's like they you know they're so good they're so loyal they're full of this energy like kind of like you know that sort of they women are complex my cat like you know we weave our little spells and stuff men, men are just very straightforward and like so one of the big things in there is like for women doctors Blame we are so used leg. to going to the doctors all the time a woman's life is full of appointments and we just trot along for men going to the doctors is a really big deal so yeah. i had spent seven years saying to my husband just go for a health checkup just go yeah. for a health checkup and he wouldn't because as i found out later he was worried they would tell him off he was worried that they would say you're not fit enough so his whole idea was like i'll wait till i'm fit and then i'll go and see the doctor for a health checkup wrong way round wrong way round totally the wrong way round yeah. that, that thing of i don't want to bother the doctor this is when we did our research and we were talking to men they were like either i'm scared i'll be told off reading too much bacon or which again brings them back to dogs they were quite noble they were like i don't want to take up space in the queue that a woman or a child might take up uh -huh. or someone elderly so they do put other people first and that's why i wanted to go we do need to talk about men now like kind we of do. we need we need to be able to say to men what are your problems and we found so many teenage boys as well yeah. the rise of andrew tate these boys who like who have just heard people for the last 10 years going typical men like yeah. kind of like typical straight white men and so mm. someone like andrew tate goes along and goes no be proud to be a boy boys should win and mm. suddenly you see these boys being radicalized and, and it's so, so toxic i mean it, it's like what you say in the book we've got beyonce and men have got andrew tate yes you i know, know. And, that's, that's, and we're winning so i understand why boys say you know women are winning poisonous. if there was something that you would say to particularly a mum because you know people watching uh, right now 
to help their teenage sons or to help their sons no matter what age they were. They could be in their 40s. I think it's learning to talk to them like we have with our girls. If you think about the conversations we've had with our teenage girls over the last 10 years, it's about being pride in being a woman. Like yeah. we talk about being, you know, being proud of your vagina. We talk about these things all the time. Yeah. But it. the idea of a mum or a dad saying to a teenage boy, you know, should be proud of your body, proud to be a man, proud of your willy. Yeah, yeah. That seems crazy right now, even as I say it. Yes. But 10 years ago, it would have seemed crazy to say that to girls. We've, That's true. Things can change so quickly yeah. and you just need to find a new way to talk about boys in the really loving, positive, proud, joyful way. We've started and talking about girls. Right, so uh, a message to that patronising badger. The reason it was crazy is because it still is. Um, you shouldn't, as specifically men, be proud of something that you didn't earn. Because men don't get anything for free. That's just something you're taught, a hard lesson when you're a young lad. And so, and I know you've got nothing to be proud of, Callum, but if I were to walk <laughs> around and go... I'm five foot seven, I've got nothing to be proud of. <laughs> Uh, it, to quote Legolas, would you like me to describe it to you or would you like me to find you a box? <laughs> to, to imagine me going around and saying, I'm proud of the thing in my trousers, um, unless, a, unless a woman's wide-eyed joy has validated that, uh, I'm, I'm not going to be going around bragging about it. What's the old okay, quote? Okay, sorry, but I made a lot of money with it. <laughs> I mean, you can be proud. I got awards for it. Can I please be proud of it? We haven't got any clips of that, thank the Lord. But, but, you know because what? of copyright. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, well, we haven't well, got... He's got plenty of them. He just yeah. doesn't bring them well, to We haven't office. got any 3D glasses. So, you know, um, my, my, actually, to be fair, right, I'll give her this, okay? She can diagnose some of the issues quite accurately right men have got higher suicide rates they've got suffering from atomization uh, we're suffering from a lack of opportunities and she's right in that quite a lot of time men don't want to go to the doctors and do things because we actually would rather someone more needy than mm. us take up a space for it right good yeah yeah it's good doctors thing. are poisoning us we're already off YouTube sure. yeah <laughs> that, that, is, that is a very good thing then she jumps the shark with the misdiagnosis of says, and that's why men need to be women. No, love, no. The fact that you've tried to make us women through social engineering for ages is why so many men feel castrated, why so many men feel like they're looking for father figures in the healthier father figure of Jordan Peterson, or I would say the unhealthier father figure of Andrew Tate, for example. Okay, I need to jump in here. So I, I read her Guardian article. Yep. And... Knew there's something weird about you. <laughs> Come on, I used to be gay. Um, and I have to say, 70%, I would say she gets it right. A lot of it right. are men's rights activists talking points. And when I listen to her now, I, I can sense the good in her. I think, I think she cares. I mean, she's the mother of sons, yep. as, uh, or at least one son. And... And I'm actually, I'm planning on going to her book tour and actually talking to her, giving her a copy of the movie The Red Pill, um, which is a, a movie about men's rights, which was directed by a feminist. And she wanted to expose these evil men's rights activists, mm. pretty much like, like now they're trying to expose Andrew Tate. And this feminist sat down and talked to this man, these men's rights activists and she was like, oh my God, they're mm. correct. Um, so I want to give her that DVD, but on Twitter, I saw that, understandably so, a lot of people attacked her quite harshly for being so condescending and thinking, well, oh, here are women telling uh, men how, to, um, how they can save themselves. But we shouldn't forget or we shouldn't overlook that, unfortunately, I'm, well, I'm going to do a segment later on with Carl about men's rights, and we're not getting anywhere. We can't, we can't help men. Um, 
it's going to take women. It's going to take women on the left that are slowly waking up mm. to say, can we change a little bit here and there? I don't like it. I don't like it because I think they don't really get it. But I'm at a point where, where I'm like, as long as fathers can get a little bit more rights, as long as somebody tells boys, you know what, you're not crap. Um, I don't care if they used to be feminists or if yep. they're still partially feminist. I think she's on a journey. And um, all I saw were negative comments. And I would I would encourage everybody to actually go to her like comments and say, you're not quite there yet, but thank you so much for at least taking notice. Um, by shouting at people for not getting it completely right, I think we are pushing them further away. And to those who are parents, you ain't gonna encourage your kid who who still gets things wrong mm -hmm. by shouting in, at them. You have to encourage them and say, that bit was good, that bit, maybe you can work on that. Yeah, that's a solid tactic. I, I think what might be worth doing then is going through some of this Guardian article just to understand where up until a point she gets it correct and where her logic just sort of falls off a cliff into... You mean where the feminism sets in? Yeah, the brain rot. Yeah. yeah. So, so she says, on Twitter a few years ago, I asked what I thought was a simple question. Men, what are the problems? What do you find makes your man life difficult? One type of reply came up time and again. Is this a trick? Are you asking this so you can laugh at us? Is this a feminist trap? Are you going to retweet all of these with the reply? Look at the men complaining about nothing, etc, etc, etc. And Boys and men have become so used to being the conversational whipping boy and the punchline to jokes, they could not believe that a feminist writer was genuinely asking them to talk about their problems. Now, I would like to point out that in this article, she basically explains why, because her entire career history up until this point has been doing exactly that. Because mm -hmm. she also says, like almost any other progressive feminist woman with a public platform, around half of my job is doing unpaid feminism, retweeting reports and petitions, doing talks, mentoring young women, responding to news or legislation that concerns women. I think my presumption as a 48-year-old fourth-wave feminist was that straight white men were generally doing so fine they were the one socio-demographic group you could lovingly beat up a bit. Yeah, that's how we got here. You just yelled at someone for their race and sex. That's, that's not going to convince them that you're going to get on side. But she's addressing it. Yeah. Yep. Slowly, Great. gradually. Yeah. Right. Okay. So on International Women's Day, she had a she had a call. She had a Zoom call with a group of teenage boys and she was talking about feminism. And the boys brought up a bunch of statistics about divorce rates, suicide, incarceration, how many men are homeless, how many men are serving in the military, things like that. And she but, said But can I say the fact that these boys are bringing that up, similar yep. to the girl um, that uh, was opposing the teacher about gender identity yes. and ca cat identity or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Young people are informing themselves. Mm -hmm. They are educating themselves. Um, I don't know what the statistics are, but if it continues like that, maybe there is actually a chance for change in the future. So yeah, I, I think there's a sizable cohort of Generation Z who realize there's nothing left to conserve because we were born after all the plans were set in motion to desolate things. Mm -hmm. And... and I'm writing on this at some point, hopefully at book length, but hush, hush. Um, I, I feel like we have... There's lots of pictures in it. Because <laughs> otherwise Don't get your you've hopes lost up. me already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be pop-up, Callum. Um, one, of the, one of the main things that we feel as younger men is a kind of existential ennui, like a, a nostalgia for something that we were never actually given. Like we feel that something's properly missing from our lives. It's not just opportunities. It's not just the fact that like by my age, my dad was married, had a house, had 
was having me on the way and earning way, 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 way less. Like he was on like 14 grand driving buses, mm. right? It wasn't, it's not even that. It's also that it feels like we're not part of a grand narrative. It, it feels like that fight club line that we're the middle children of history mm. a little bit. And so it's nice that she's talking to the men about this. It's nice that there's a large cohort of men and women now, my age, who are growing up and going, actually, I'm going to reject the pill. I'm going to go and homestead and, and homeschool my kids and, and go back to church and things like that. That's really positive. But the media has not quite caught up yet. And this seems to be a crack in the dam, but not quite a flood. I agree. And so she says to, to this boy who brought up these statistics, thank you for talking about the problems of boys and men. I have a lot to think about. She ended the call five minutes later. And then she says, in the book, I talked to a mother who's bewildered as to why her 15-year-old nephew, who used to be so lovely, was now, along with thousands of other teenage boys, a massive fan of Andrew Tate. The nephew had quote, ruined Christmas lunch by quoting Tate and then making Tate's hand signal, which means shut up woman whenever my niece was talking. What's that hand gesture? I think it's something like that, isn't it? I don't I don't really watch Tate because I'm yeah. not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the girl burst into tears and he went to his bed before pudding. So um this is this is a building bit of antagonism mm-hmm. and and she says, I don't understand. His parents are so nice. They read The Guardian. I don't understand why they have a son like this. That's exactly why they have a son like this. And, and Moran says, I paused. I did know why. Well, it's because they're lovely left-wing Guardian reading people. Do they ever say things like typical men or er, toxic patriarchy? And my friends thought, of course, they live in Hackney. Again, first mistake. <laughs> to Diane Abbott finally coming coming to our side. <laughs> Joe Bridge wore two left shoes. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, I do. yeah. Just carry on. Yeah. Do you remember when she said that Mao did more good than harm? I mean, you have to be that thick to have that haircut. Anyway, point being, um, well, that's why I said if he's grown up hearing that straight white men are awful, if he's been made to feel shame and guilt simply because of who he is, then of course he's going to be attracted to the man who says, don't be ashamed, men are great, we need men. That's a classic piece of dumb teenage rebellion against your parents. Right, I wouldn't stigmatise it as dumb, because he's speaking to a genuine need there, but this follows up on your point from earlier, is that you you do not shout down and stigmatise all teenagers for expressing a genuine desire just because they're being slightly inarticulate. And that is what a lot of young boys are expressing, mm-hmm. and so good on Moran for actually talking to them, still pathologising it as dumb, not good, but but there we go. Now, I've, I've got a question, and I, I don't know how, sh- how smart she is. You could... She writes for The Guardian. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair, fair, yeah. Thank you. Okay, you can continue. No, 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 what I wanted to say, what I wanted to say is the way she writes it, it's very clear that she throws in stuff to not lose the left. Yes. And retaining she, her progressive credentials. Exactly. Yeah. And and with her humor, she she slowly brings people in. And I'd be interested to know to what extent she she actually is a bit more red-pilled that she lets on. And that she's tailoring it to the audience. Potentially. But but that, that yeah, I, I know. Well, I, I think that I've, might I've, be... I've made, I made this mistake before thinking that about somebody and then I paid the price for it or we're paying the price for it. Um, so I'm not saying that's the case. Yep. But I think the way it is written, I would write it like that if I wanted to appeal to the left while still getting the message across. Well... Do you want to hear her solution? Oh, yeah, I've read it. Oh, yeah. yeah. So so, so prep this, Callum. See, see if you're encouraged, right? 
The men of my age, however, when I look roughly at my equivalent male peers, progressive, left-wing, liberal men with public platforms, there's no such culture when it comes to the issues that concerns men and boys. There's no semi-organized progressive movement mm -hmm. that habitually raises and then campaigns in support of solutions for male problems. And into this vacuum created by the progressive left, the advent of Tate, Jordan Peterson, and the incel movement. Jordan Peterson, who's married, incel- Oh yeah. I'm not- <laughs> I'm not Jordan. Oh, wait, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, don't cry. So, so she just conflates Jordan Peterson with the incels and Andrew Tate. Now, I'm going to pass all of those out because Jordan Peterson is a metaphysician, so he believes in transcendent ideals. Andrew Tate, despite being a pimp-turned-Islamist, is a materialist defined by Bugattis and sexual conquest, and so he appeals to the men that are sort of playing within the paradigm rather than trying to break the paradigm. And then the incels are just black-pilled about everything. So they're, two, they're, they're three completely distinct groups. Absolutely. So she doesn't even understand the audience she's talking to. Mm -hmm. This is the frustrating thing. This is, this is why she has such a long way to go. And then she goes on to praise a... Uh... Oh, okay, but the thing is, it is true that uh, different um, styles appeal to different parts of the disinfected... Uh, true. Dis disaffected. The, disaffected, disinfected. Disaffected uh, young people. So, for I, I can't deal with Andrew Tate, but I do like Jordan Peterson. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so he's with... an incel, so... <laughs> <laughs> Speaking on behalf of the incels... Go on. Um, w one of the things I... Well, it's funny, she, like, Lorraine there goes... You know, we, we've got Beyonce and they've got Andrew Tate. Yep. <laughs> Can I get subtitles for that, please? <laughs> <laughs> well, firstly, it's quite funny she mentions Beyonce because, you know, hence why we now have all the single ladies. Yeah. But what, one of the things I often think, when, when I see the whole Andrew Tate thing, now I've not looked too in-depth into so I could be completely wrong. A lot of the videos I see, he is bang on. But what a lot of the attacks towards him and again mm. i could be wrong i don't it almost seems very similar to that of people we've seen in the past who have been vilified bang on about everything and it's almost like a narrative to we've got to completely ruin this guy so people stop stop oh, absolutely following I think, him. I think there is an element of that i, I think because um, what, what what if he is a reformed character because i i see things about tra trafficking i don't know they, yeah so so it seems that some of those charges may well be spurious. We can't comment on the current ones outstanding, but the last ones didn't stick. My issue with him is that he used to run a cam girl porn site and swindle men out of money pretending to be the girls talking to them. So and that yeah, doesn't and help men. No, you know, yeah. I completely agree. But what what if they're what if they're if he has had, you know, an awakening and now he's gone, Oh my god, like men men, what have I done? Well he hasn't Look, said that yet. He's still, I know he he's, still he's still running hustlers and telling them to shag about. That's yes, the problem. True, true. But maybe there's like there is a you know, there is a spiritual movement on, mm. on his side. But um Ah, I forgot what I was going to say. Carry That's on. all right. No worries. <laughs> anyway, back to this nonsense. So then she starts praising Amy Schumer and Lily Allen for talking about the vaginas in very vulgar fashion. And she says, women just don't give an S these days in the best way possible. Breaking a taboo or being visceral is now a very viable career path that inspires both relief and love from your fans. Um, women being vulgar, crass, and sexually promiscuous isn't actually attractive. That might be why men are also Most unhappy. Most of the time. <laughs> All right, incel. Uh, and then she immediately cuts to making fun of Trump, right? And she says that everyone was on side with this because she starts talking about how the whole world laughed when Stormy Daniels described his penis as a toadstool. Okay. Oh, okay. I, I, so, actually, there were statues erected of Trump ah. in. <laughs> it's, it's in my nature. <laughs> Go on. Um, there were statues erected in several um, American cities of Trump naked with a micro penis. Right. 
Um, I actually mentioned that in regards to um, online harms bill and misogyny mm. and stuff like that. I'm like, look, imagine somebody would do that about a female politician or something like that. But him, her bringing that up, um, I maybe I maybe I just I'm too hopeful. But to me, there is a criticism of their own side. She and said. She said the whole world quite rightly got on board with it, though. That's the problem. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think you're, you're being maybe too considerate to her at this point. So, so then she says, okay, here's her solution, right? I'm not joking. She says, feminism. What boys and men need is feminism, and what women need is boys and men who use feminism. Feminism is still the only thing we've invented that exists solely to look at the problems of gender and bring about equality between the sexes. <laughs> Until now, feminism has worked on making women equal to men in power, safety, status, politics, relationships, and the economy. And what a disaster that's been. But it now urgently needs to embark on the second phase, which was absolutely predicted by the word equality. Leave us alone. Wrong. Yeah. Men... So the way I see it is, every man has a monster. Every man has a monster inside them. Yep. A good man knows when to use it. Yep. So we see a lot of people now. They'll stand by and watch horrific things happening because, well, they've become weak incels like me and my cronies. <laughs> um, so I've, I've recently started taking up MMA. Yeah. I wish I'd done it sooner because, firstly, it's 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 like a a testosterone kind of like rush. Yeah. But it's. A, a good man knows when to use that monster that's inside him. Yep. Like ev anyone who says, "Oh, violence doesn't solve anything," has never been in the fight. Yes. Violence literally does. It's not always the right way, but it literally solves that problem there and then. You beat the other person, that problem is now solved. Now, if the problem is people being abusive, hmm. people physically harming people, then the an the antidote to that is someone. Is a stronger monster. Yeah, a good but man. A good monster. Step in. So a good man, every man has a monster inside him. A good man knows when to use it. We don't I need disagree. feminism. I do, well, we don't have to go too much into it, but I disagree. Yes, everybody has a monster, uh, but also everybody has or should have, or you should train that monster to be a knight. Yeah, um, that's what I mean. Yeah, that's yeah, what I mean. That's, a monster but, is a hero that's learned restraint. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, the the thing around. is. Like, you don't let out the monster uh, because it's still a monster. Even if you use that monster against another monster, it's still a monster. You use the knight. Um, and I think in that regard, um, boys need to be taught morals, not just strength, but yeah, morals. Yeah, which I agree. agree. But when I say, like, the whole monster thing is, is you, you need to... You've got in, in a don't bad a situation, don't, don't be a you weakling. Need, you know, there there are times where you need to do what is ever necessary to do sure. what is right, sure. which unfortunately yes. sometimes would involve yeah. violence. Yeah. Yes. So you've got natural strength that you need to bend it to to being life sustaining rather than life ruining, and yes. castrating them with a quality strongest doctrine. incel out there. Yeah. <laughs> Chat man, you'd, you'd be surprised. <laughs> so 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 here, this is this is what she says right this is what men need to do rather than rather than banter as she says or have a punch up and solve your problems and then then go for a beer and whoever loses the fight buys the next round she says it's so much easier for women and girls to show love and support to each other than men men do not have an equivalent of the yas queen or dancing girl emoji or watch my girl go that women get when they post something brave honest or bold about her life um, women should post less on social media. I will not elaborate further. Mm. And this is one of the major stumbling blocks men need to address if they want to enjoy the kind of change and liberation 
We're sick of liberation. The problem is loneliness that they seem at root to be jealous of in modern women. We're not jealous. Lots of people just resent the fact that the sexes are set at odds. We're competing for the same resources. We're, we're, we're unisexed in personalities. We're more like each other than ever. And we like each other less than ever. The problem is feminism. And feminism as a response to the Industrial Revolution and making us market competitors rather than married participants working together for the goals of the same household. Also, she doesn't realise that we also have Go Off King. Like, that's just an actual meme. So, again, well, and, and, research and, hasn't been done here. Well, and also, I mean, the thing is, feminism from the get-go has been, at its core, anti-femininity. Yes. Anti-motherhood, anti-family, and obviously anti-male yeah. and anti-man. It, it, it cannot breed anything productive. Yeah. Um, there have been a couple of things that some people could view as positive i don't view them as possible that could be viewed as possible uh positive um but this whole thing about um oh what man don't have we have all these things mm. we used to have a brotherhood and we would have a brotherhood if you just would get out of our safe spaces leave Men alone. Leave us alone. Oh, safe space. That that phrase just makes me. Yeah, I know. It gives, it, it gives a shudder. But but like, <laughs> but it's true. But yeah, it's yeah, true. Yeah, like, me, the yeah. thing, like, like you need a space where you can be yourself. And sorry, like when I go out or when I talk to friends, my my wife does exactly that. Hmm. So, how is his wife? How is the family? I was like, I don't know. We just had a good time. It's like, oh, didn't you ask about blah blah blah? Yeah. I'm like. I don't care. I wanted to connect with yes. that person and have a good time without assessing their 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 social stuff. If if brothers need you, we're there. Like, and I do think there can be more training for us to look out for each other. Yeah. That's for sure. That's what we need fathers for. Yeah. We don't have fathers. We don't have uncles. We don't have the structures anymore. And sorry, but feminism was one of the leading forces to take that away. As soon as man got together, they destroyed it because we made jokes or we we did something they didn't like. The whole thing about feminism is control. Yep. Control man. And what she's doing here is like, oh, I recognize that men need help, but men should not be allowed to help themselves mm. because that could lead them in a direction that questions our lifestyle choices. Yes. And and so before we wrap up, I just wanted to make one yeah. or two very quick points. Number one, uh, unconditional affirmation is not good for men. Mm -hmm. Actually, the good thing about men is, one, you can rip each other a new one and still mm -hmm. be friends because Absolutely. it assesses whether or not you have enough humility to have my back when things hit the fan. Mm -hmm. And number two is we hold each other accountable to our own standards and that ensures that we are successful. We don't just go, oh, it's okay, you're still a queen anyway if you're Lizzo size, which is the very toxically feminine thing that modern feminists do. That's Absolutely. a huge bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and so the reviews weren't very kind, and I'm going to skip over some of the ones that are in the reading yeah. list if you want to review them. But the last one, the most brutal one, was in the New Statesman, which says, has Caitlin Moran ever met a man? And one of the things that he says right at the bottom is, all the energy enjoys with the women right now, Caitlin Moran explains in What About Men? Me women had Beyonce and Finland's prime minister. They didn't really need Moran anymore. So her work was done. That left the other gender, men. And so what does Caitlin Moran think about them? The first thing Caitlin Moran thinks, simultaneously, grandiosely and naively, is that men need Caitlin Moran. Of course I'm not a man, she professes in her prologue. I do not know what it's like to be a man or a boy, not a clue. At some point in the future, it might be useful to hear from someone who does. And so, love, messages, leave us alone. We'll sort ourselves out.
On to the comments, and we'll, we'll run over by a couple of minutes just uh, so we, we can address all your stuff. But we've had a good conversation, lads. Hit play. Ah, so Sophie Liv is one of our Danish subscribers, and she has been making, I believe this is puppetry for one of her um, new theatre performances Ooh. that she spoke about with us. That's actually something very important that, um, yeah, it might have, been, might have been John D on a live stream, but he said, isn't it interesting how Zoomers watch things and consume things? They don't do things anymore. Yeah. Nobody proactively creates it. Nobody has a proactive hobby. Like, nobody's a gardener or a crocheter. I've recently got an allotment. Good. And do you know what? I am at some of my happiest when I'm in there. Yeah. It's just, it's my church. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Basically. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's, that's, it's peace and solitude. And like, this is one of the things I said to my dad. It's like, I'm really glad that we had basically an unkempt garden when I was younger and we made it that way. We had an allotment as well. Because even if I wasn't doing things right as a kid, even if I wasn't digging holes properly and that, I was doing something. It was incrementally involving me getting connected with the earth. And that is a, that is just a, literally touch grass is a good meme. Because it grounds you. It's much more healthy. By the way, in regards, sorry, in regards to the puppetry, yeah. is she doing, uh, creating her own short movies or something I like that? I believe she's doing a stage production, that's why. Nice, cool. Yeah. So, good stuff. On awesome. to the next one. So, in response to the, uh, you know, Supreme Court decision, I've been seeing a lot of leftists talking about how they're going to deny services to MAGA chats and whatnot. But the problem is that they've been already doing this for, like, the last decade. I mean, we've all seen the events where, like, you know, college campuses just say yeah you're not allowed here you're being expelled for just basically having a shirt we don't like or you know with you know what's his name uh farage losing his bank account i mean the threat only matters if you're you've not been doing it earlier well principle is less important than the people administering the principle so you can pass whatever law you like but if the blob is still in the way and they don't enforce the law then it doesn't matter so that's why you need to clear your enemies out of the institutions before you can get anywhere Next one. Hello, it's been some time since the last one, but I gotta tell you about some funny business in German politics. The CDU-CSU is technically two different parties, one of them responsible for Bavaria. Ooh. And that party currently struggles to get above 5% in the polling. And if your party doesn't get at least 5%, they don't get any representation in Bundestag, which would change your graphs a little bit. So what, does that mean that there's now two parties outflanking the left then? No, so um, the the Conservative Party, uh, as he rightly said, is actually two parties. Right. Uh, one covers the whole of Germany, apart from Bavaria, and the other one just covers Bavaria. Hmm. Um, but they are only, they're only counted if they are above 5%. But it seems like they're going below 5%. That that means all of a sudden the conservatives, the conservatives, right. the, the Tories, really, lose 5%. Right. Which means the AFD would be the leading party in Germany. Right. I mean, the other parties would still just gang up on them and say, oh, we are stronger because combined we are more people. But the AFD would be the party with the highest... Um, yeah. Nice. Lovely. Well, gaining ground, I suppose. So, a couple of written comments before we wrap up. We've still got some time. Does that make you want to go gay again, Philip? Look at him. <laughs> Isn't he gorgeous? Is, is, that, is that forehead what happens when you keep your thoughts to yourself? Because you should more well, often. Well, well let, let's just say, grow a beard and we'll talk about it. <laughs> I can't. I look I look like I should. Le I legally can't go near a school when I try a beard. Like, it looks terrible. <laughs> That's exactly what I like. <laughs>
I'm going to pretend I don't feel really uncomfortable right now. <laughs> anyway, George Hap, happy to see Philip back on the show. It's always a pleasure to hear his view on things. So you've got plenty of fans. Uh, Letter M is for men. Couldn't catch it live, but great work, Connor, on the latest Rumble Hangout. Oh, thank you. It's incredible what is not allowed to be said aloud. It's crazy seeing people not question science when questioning is what science fundamentally is, right? Well... It's become a self-affirming religion, so unfortunately not. Uh, Captain Charlie the Beagle, great show as always. Good to see Philip on the show. To Philip, I just want to say, uh, can you read that gibberish? Oh, um... The third comment down. Beste Glück und gesund zu sie und seine Familie. Bless you. Yeah, um, to be honest, uh, for that German, I would send you to a camp. <laughs> No, no, thank you so much. That was awesome. It just means best of luck and um, all the best uh, for you and your family. Thank you so much. That was Blimey. really kind. All right. Well, the last one I'll read out then, and sorry because we're running low on time, is Robert Longshore. I'm loving the three-person dynamic in the show. Keep it, lads. Uh, after this show, I don't know if we're legally allowed to. Um, go and follow Philip on Twitter. There you go. Oh, oh and also... I'm an artist myself, and if you want to, you can uh, visit my website, which is philiptanser.com, uh, with my uh, paintings on rusty metal and stuff like that. Unfortunately, I'm really bad at updating uh, my stuff, so everything that you see on that website is already sold, but there's new stuff coming up soon. Lovely. Uh, how old's your daughter, by the way? My daughter is six months old today. Oh, wonderful. Well, happy yeah. birthday. I can tell she's already getting into the art industry because she's coloured in the side of your head. Um, <laughs> Callum, uh, you on, you're on Twitter as well. People can go, yeah. and, go and find you, I suppose. Uh, there we go. Fantastic. And, and you're going to be posting clips of you getting in trouble, are you? Yeah, and I want to go back. I want to go back to comedy as well. So I used to be a comedy actor before I did all this. Right. But I want really? To kind of, you are a laughing stock. <laughs> <laughs> I, w I want to incorporate comedy and current affairs because okay. I actually think somebody once said that's one of the because I was I used to do Boris Johnson stuff and they went it's one of the best ways to actually reach through to people because they're laughing and then they actually realise what they're laughing at. Yeah. And so I want to try bring that back in and well that's that's why the BBC weaponised panel shows for the middle class just gives them NPC programming and all they've got to do is the Tories right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, on that bombshell, um, thanks very much for joining me, gents. This was this was fantastic. Um, we're back next week at one o'clock. I'm off for two weeks. I'm going to America. So I'll see you lovely people late July, early August. Until then, bye.